So this podcast is um, part of a compilation of information I'm doing on spirit guides, power animals, foliars, and all such like. Um, I'm intending to do a couple of uh, blogs as well and a couple of different podcasts. So I'm going to start off with talking when it comes to spirit guides about my experience because that's what I know best of all. Uh, I don't think... I'm talking about my experience because I can't define any absolutes when it comes to spirit guides. Um, I can talk about my experience. I can talk about my experience with clients and students. I can talk about what I've read and cultural wisdom from um, other sources. But at the end of the day, it is an incredibly subjective experience. And I do not think there are many absolutes when it comes to spirit guides and power animals. So for me, the main uh, use or purpose or reason for my working relationship with my, um, I'm going to use the word patron because that's the word that is appropriate for my cultural background, my patrons, is protection. Uh, A big part of my working life is as what I call a jobbing shaman. So that means that I will work with a client. I will enter an altered state of consciousness. I will experience a sort of a daydreamy visual experience where I do certain things. And then I will share that information with the client and it usually appears to aid uh, healing, uh, letting go of wounds from the past, stepping into um, a more holistic sense of who the client is. It's the best way to describe it. And so for me, when I'm entering this altered state of consciousness to work with or for a client, the first place that I visit is my world tree. Uh, This is a tree I'm very familiar with. It's not a tree that I'm aware of in the everyday world. Um, It's it's my tree. It represents the very centre of my existence. And I just spend a few moments there. Then I walk towards a, a chair or a seating place that seems to have been hewn out of the rock. And I sit down for a few moments. This is my, uh, my, my grounding space, I guess. It's where I prepare before I journey. At this point, usually, because I should point out that there are rarely any absolutes in anything to do with shamanic work. So we are here talking about sort of the usual rather than the always. Usually at this point... Um, Frey, who works with me as an ally, so as a friend, comes and steps behind me. He usually puts his hands on his shoulders or just, just kind of, he's there, just letting him, just letting me know, I've got your back, I've got this. And then at this point, one, now to, the difference for me between a spirit guide ally and a spirit guide patron, my patrons are parts of my soul. I didn't choose them. I was born with this association. Whereas an like a family, whereas my allies are more my friends, if you like. So Frey is more there as a as a buddy. <laughs> um, so I will get up out of my chair and I will walk a little bit along a path where I will find one of my patrons, either Freya or Hell. Usually that's more to do with my mood than anything else. And this is where the for me that one of the most fascinating parts of working with a my patron, my spirit guide, um, happens. 
before I connect to my client, before I step out of my soul space and into theirs, my patron will dress me appropriately and I pay big attention to how they dress me. Sometimes, perhaps if I'm working uh, with or for another shaman who might be on a retreat or in the middle of a really deep healing experience, I'm dressed in satin slippers and a a loose shift dress and that's it. And that really means tread lightly. There is nothing of danger here. Don't be too active, just very light touch. And we have a whole continuum of clothing. Uh, some Often it's just a wool dress, a belt. Um, I have a sword, which I usually have on a back scabbard. Um, I'm aware <laughs> of the historical curiosities about whether that was actually a thing or not. But it's, you know, we're in, an, in a non-physical world. It works for me as a metaphor. Um, and that's a fairly standard working sort of shame and day, really. Fairly solid boots long loose wool dress belt back scabbard sword that's everyday work the more that's added on top of that the more dangerous the work is going to be and the more aware i have to know of what i'm going moving into uh i may have a cloak um sometimes i almost have like a sort of a padded uh jerkin added on top of the dress and belted really just like got belts and buckles and it's it's quite a palaver to put on sometimes I have big thick felt socks and then boots that kind of buckle all the way up up you know up the up the thigh effectively um sometimes I have extra weapons given to me a, a dagger in the in the um in the boot or on my belt Sometimes uh, the cloak hood is put right down over my eyes. That tends to mean be really cautious. Don't, because sometimes in the non-physical world, I find some things can be really alluring and distracting and dangerous. So that's a sort of be careful, be careful how you look. And sometimes my face is completely hidden by um, often sort of a beaded uh, mask that is tied over my eyes. And this tends to mean hide your identity. It's really rare. The vast majority of my work is um, healing from wounds that effectively the person has um, impacted on themselves, perhaps in childhood, perhaps in a difficult relationship where they had to take on false beliefs to survive. And these false beliefs really worked for them for a while. But now those false beliefs are really blocking their way forward. So the vast majority of my work is releasing magic, if you like, that somebody has put on themselves. It worked for a while. It was really needed at the time. But now they want to kind of shake this off. And that is not dangerous. But a small percentage of my work is um, to do with entities, ghosts, if you might like, or um, non-human experiences that are integrated into someone's soul space or even and this is incredibly rare but it does happen um black magic that has been consciously put on somebody by somebody who knows what they're doing it's really rare but it does happen and if i am working with a particularly um self-aware entity or by somebody who's consciously put this magic on knowing what they're doing then I need to hide my identity because I don't want it to kind of impact me in the mundane or the physical world. Um, And so that dressing, 
and the putting on the appropriate clothes, the giving. Sometimes I'm given uh, unusual tools like um, a bottle of light or a pebble or a piece of twine. And I'm just kind of, it's, it's just kind of, you'll need this. So for me, as a what I call a jobbing shaman, my meeting with my patron and my allowing them to dress me and equip me to do the job well is my first level of defense. Um, and I really pay attention to that. So what I then do is I step through what appears to be a veil and I find myself now in my client's um, soul space. I experience this as a tree. It is a tree growing in the middle um, of a glade with a sort of a hedgerow around the edge, um, and which I've now stepped through. And usually, because again, there are no absolutes here, the first thing I experience is a spirit guide, because this is not a patron, this is not a part of me, a spirit guide that usually I identify as Archangel Michael. And I think I identify this uh, visually as Archangel Michael because it's quite a neutral energy. It's one of those spirit guides that tends to work with me and tends to work with my client as well. And sometimes this may represent as Tia. Uh, and to me, Tia and Archangel have a, Archangel Michael have a very similar energy. And sometimes it might be um, my client's spirit guide themselves. And what I do when I first meet this spirit guide, which we're going to call it Michael because it normally is, I listen. <laughs> you know, I if you want to book in with me as a shaman, you can say, and, and it's really useful to say, I think I have an entity, I think I've been cursed, I want to release trauma from my childhood, um, I want you to, I want to clear my head from self-limiting thoughts, you know, I, I want uh, soul retrieval, I want past life. It's really useful to have that conversation, why are you here and how I can help you? And I will often logically say, I think this is what is most likely to happen. I think that for the, to, to help you in this situation, this is what I need to do. But when I meet that spirit guide, I've got a sense of how cautious I need to be by my patron but now I listen and usually at this point Michael will um, suggest that I clear negative energy that's usually the first thing we do together or that I go and connect with my my client on a soul level or if there is trouble if I am what I call suited and booted if I've got my, my cloak down over my eyes and it feels like quite a dangerous space then usually Michael will just say stop and watch what do you see and we will just sit and we will sit at the edge of the hedge just looking at the tree just looking at the energy I can often see the energy pulsating and moving as if I can see the aura of the tree and I will often then notice something's not right and then together um, Michael and I will do whatever needs to be done and so to me I work with spirit guides number one because my patrons my spirit guides protect me and you know I do some pretty dark work and 
the reason that I'm really comfortable doing that work is because I trust the working relationship I have with my patrons. And then secondly, I listen to the spirit guides. The spirit guides, whether that's a new, what I call a neutral guide like Michael or Tia, whether that's my client spirit guides, which often, you know, that will often come in later in the journey. I listen to them. I, I think, you know, I the word shaman, it, it, it's so associated with sort of the guru status and the, uh, and all of that. But actually, for me working as a shaman, I just see, see myself as made of the soul space. I am there to clean up, tidy up and make things neat and tidy. And I am there to listen to what needs to be done rather than go in with ego and sort of logical intent. So when I, when I think I've finished, when I think I've done what I've been asked to be done or what I can see needs to be done, then I check in with whoever first greeted me, which is usually Michael, and I'll say, is that it? Is this right for now? Um, sometimes they'll go... <laughs> no are you kidding but usually he'll go yeah we're done it's good it's good for now we're done and then I step back through the veil and it's kind of a repeat process basically uh whoever dressed me now undresses me now takes off whatever has been put on and there's usually a sort of an energetic cleansing then it's usually done with a feather and it's they're sort of basically just combing through my aura and just clearing off anything because I don't want to take energy that belonged to my client into my space and particularly I don't want any entanglements uh, and if I've been dealing with trauma or sadness or dark energy or entities definitely don't want to bring bringing that into my space so there, there, there will then be this process of sort of just combing my aura and that's fine and then I go and I just sit on my chair for a minute and the whole point about this is the the dressing and the undressing and the clearing of any energies that may have attached themselves to me is not in my actual soul space it's like in a in a liminal space between so I'll just sit there for a few minutes just just grounding just breathing through my feet and then usually it's Frey that kind of taps me on the shoulder or taps me on the side of the arm and it's like yeah you're good we're done and we usually walk together back to my tree. Um, and again, I just pause for a moment there. We usually have a hug, uh, which is very grounding and very comforting and just kind of reconnecting me to me. And then I come out of my altered state of consciousness. And that is the main way that I work with spirit guides. Um, I'm not suggesting this is the right way for anyone else to work with spirit guides but it's you know if I'm opening sacred space either for a group or for a client I definitely do <coughs> excuse me I definitely do that very much in the um the inner world in the the sort of the the non-physical reality and all I can say is it works you know I have dealt with some pretty dark energies I've dealt with some pretty um deep work that logically if I'd have thought about it I would have probably thought I'm not sure I want to go there but because I go through that process of being reassured by 
fray and being prepared by my patron and being supported and guided usually first by a neutral spirit guide and then very often the clients either their ancestors or a particular spirit guide that's working from for them will get involved and then it kind of rewinds the back again the the completion with michael the um, cleansing from my patrons and the reassurance with Frey. It's um it seems to be Touchwood um protecting me and I seem to be able to do, you know, maybe four or five of these sessions on a on a on what I would call a long work day, a busy work day, and not be exhausted from them because I've got that very clear liminal space with the chair and the guides and the clothing and the cleansing to make sure that when I connect back to my tree and then back to me, I am not bringing any entangled energy, any negative energy, anything back with me. And I think that's where I do my cleansing and grounding is in that liminal space in the non-physical world. I mean, when I finished doing the journey, obviously I will share anything I've experienced with my client. Everyone's different. Some people fall asleep, which is absolutely fine to me. That's the left brain going, I don't want to be involved in this. Thank you. Just crack on with it. Um, some people will have deeply personal experiences, perhaps colors or shapes, or they may feel what I'm doing in my body. Uh, some people will see exactly what I'm doing. Uh, and that can be a bit weird, even for me, um, when I've perhaps seen a very particular image or perhaps I've worked in an unusual way. There was one particular occasion where um, an entity was actually changed someone's soul space. And I'd never seen that before. And I had to hack away um, at, at the earth around these chains to loosen them. And it was pretty scary because this thing was going at me. And, and I was thinking, God, this is weird. And this is all happening, you know, silently. I'm either drumming or gonging to sustain that uh, state of, um, also state of consciousness. And I come back and I check in with my client. How are you? And the first thing they say is, bloody hell, you were going at those chains somewhat. She saw exactly what I was doing. That's still, I don't, I mean, I guess my explanation is that we are working together that some clients are able to experience what I'm doing deep in their soul space but if clients don't it doesn't really matter it doesn't affect or alter my effectiveness it's just really useful validation um when clients do experience it so I feel like I've rambled a little bit there at the end I find it incredibly hard to talk about this side of what I do um which is why I thought I'd try the podcasts as well as the blogs hoping that I can sort of share because there are so many books out there where you're told that working with a spirit guide needs to be done a certain way and you need to see this or experience this and it happens A, B, C, D and this is the way it happens. And it's not like that. Everybody's journey, everybody's experience is different. And by sharing my experiences and then in time sharing some tools as well, I want you to know that there's no specific way that this works there's no one way that you have to develop a relationship with a spirit guide 
everybody has a different experience. Everyone has a different journey. And in principle, if it's working for you and if it is supporting you in your life, then you're doing it right.